Good day to you and thank you again for joining us in our online Bible study. To those of you who are doing this as part of your group and your Bible study group, I pray that um, just as we listen to this, that you will be able to formulate some questions that you can ask one another. But equally to those of you who are listening um, on your own, may you be able to spend some time afterwards reflecting and perhaps doing a little bit of your own um, uh, digging into the scriptures and mining the, the word of God that comes to us. So friends, yeah, the thoughts I want to share with us today are, as usual, just some of my reflections, um, if you like, some ramblings, but um, taking us further on in our topic on study and meditation, which we spoke about on Sunday under the theme of the celebration of discipline, or if you like, looking at a path to spiritual growth. And so I'm going to be taking us to the book of Proverbs today, chapter 1, and we will add on to, to what I shared on Sunday, but taking a look from a different perspective. And um, yeah, so please, if you can, get your Bibles open. I'm going to just take us to the first seven verses of Proverbs, and then we'll look at a few other passages from the New Testament also. So thank you for this time. Let us just pray together. Lord, we still our hearts and minds and ask that as we come to the sacred text, that you would be able to reveal to us your truth. Uh, your spirit is deeply aware of where each of us is at at the moment, and so may you connect with us. May you reveal who you are um, as much as you challenge us to grow deeper in our faith. And so we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, while you are turning to Proverbs chapter 1, um, I wanted to start off by sharing a little story. True story. Um, it is about my own life. So many years ago, probably about 15 years ago now, um, when I was based in Maritzburg as the minister at the Wesley Methodist Church, the seminary, the Seth Mokotimi Methodist Seminary, was moved to Maritzburg. Um, the building wasn't yet completed yet, but the classes had started. And because I hold a master's degree in church history, the seminary was looking for local ministers at the time to come and just assist as the seminary got off the ground in various subjects. And so um, I was asked to come and just to share in the, the church history course, just in part of the teaching. And uh, yeah, I was delighted to be asked and I was very happy to, to share. But the one thing I want to be honest in is that although I was seen as the lecturer, there were many, many things about the history of the church that I was still to learn myself. So just because I held a master's degree did not make me an expert in any way. In fact, even if I had a, a PhD in church history, it still wouldn't make me um, all-knowing on the subject. And so as we started to plan the, the lectures and the course outline, so I began to do my own reading and my own studying around various other topics so that I would be able to have a little bit more information and knowledge to be able to share with the students. And obviously, year after year, as I taught, I taught for nearly 10 years at the seminary just as a part-time lecturer, um, I began to understand more about my subject, um, more about the history of the church, Particularly, I focused on um, from the early church up into the time of the Reformation. But even that, 1,500, 1,600 years, 
um, you can't become a master of all that because there's so much information and so much happened in the history of the church. And so I continued to have a love for history, as many of you know, um, and I continued to love watching documentaries or series or even reading books about the history of the world, but also about the history of the church. So why am I telling you that story? I'm telling you that story because it ties in with the whole theme of study and meditation. And I want to say right from the beginning that when it comes to understanding the scriptures and reading the scriptures, we will never exhaust the scriptures. We can keep reading the Bible until the day we die. And I really believe that there will be new things revealed to us. That is that is the treasure of the Bible. But what saddens me is that there are some people that aren't willing to even dig deeper into the scriptures to be able to find the treasure that is there. And so studying and reading um, and meditating on the Bible takes time. And, and, we, and if we're willing to, to put our minds to it, even if it's only a few minutes a day, I believe that we can unlock some of the gifts that God has given to us through the scriptures. And so thank you. I mean, I know I'm preaching to the choir because you are listening to this, which shows that you are willing to grow in your faith. But um, I just want to say to us that, you know, studying the scriptures and learning it and reading in it will, will be something that we will do for the rest of our lives. And I hope it's something that you continue to enjoy because there are so many things that are almost unexpected and surprising in, in the Bible. So when we come to Proverbs chapter 1, um, the, the book of Proverbs or the collection of Proverbs, as you probably have gathered, is around wisdom. Um, they are attributed to Solomon. This is what it says in verse 1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Now, that, that is also debatable, to be honest, because scholars have showed us that um, there are a number of the Proverbs that are recorded in here that may not have been from Solomon's mouth. But because at the time that Proverbs was put together, if you asked anybody who was the wisest person on the planet, they would have said Solomon. And so what, what often happens and did happen in the context of the time is that the name, a famous well-known name of a person like Solomon was then accredited to a lot of the sayings. And he may even have said some of these sayings, but they may not have been originally from him. But that's not the point of it in all in any case, because the, the Proverbs that we read are important for us and they are great wise teachings. So whether they came from Solomon or from David or passed down from gener generation to generation, we, we mustn't get caught up in that. Yes, verse 1 says these are the Proverbs of Solomon, and so we will just, for the sake of, of ease, say they are inspired by him or accredited to him or written by him. That's, uh, that's enough for us today. But we come to verse 2, which gives us the purpose of it. So remember, this is under the context of studying and meditation. So the writer says the purpose of these Proverbs is to teach people wisdom and discipline and to help them understand wise sayings. So in coming to the book of Proverbs, or 31 chapters, the very purpose of these chapters is that it's there, they are there to teach us, that's you and myself, to teach us wisdom and discipline. Now the word wisdom in, in Hebrew 
um, it appears almost 300 times in the Old Testament. And we all know that there is a marked difference between knowledge and wisdom. Um, very simply, we could have a look at a simple understanding of the difference is that um, knowledge is about the accumulation of facts and information, but wisdom is about applying those facts to life and, in our case, to faith. So the writer of Proverbs is saying to us that the, the very purpose of putting all these on paper and, and memorizing these is so that we will be wise. So we will take the knowledge, take the information, and be able to apply it to our faith. And here he also uses the word discipline in a disciplined kind of way. And then we will be able to understand these wise sayings. He carries on to say, through these Proverbs, people will receive instruction in discipline, good conduct, and doing what is right, just, and fair. Now, th these words that I've read to you now come from the New Living Translation. If you read it from the NRV, it says this, Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise, their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. So if you, if you like that kind of phrase, then, then hold on to that. But the idea, and I'm, I'm going to hold on that word successful from the NIV, because it's interesting that some people that have a very negative view of the Scriptures believe that the Scriptures are only there to, uh, to reign on our parade. But it, that word successful should pique some interest in us because what the writer or Solomon is saying is that their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives. So in other words, that when we follow what we are studying, when we apply what we learn, our lives will be successful. Now we can debate about whether he's talking about material success or spiritual success, but I think you understand the point. That these words for us, now, okay, the writer's talking about Proverbs, just those 31 chapters, but I'm going to broaden that for us today, is to say the purpose of us to know the Bible, all 66 books, all of the different contexts of the time, is to, is to see what God is saying to us throughout history and to, to help us to live disciplined lives. If you think about our theme of being on this path to spiritual growth. We, we need to be disciplined as we walk on this path because we want to be successful. And whatever success looks like in, in faith, we can talk about that. And maybe in your group, if you are meeting with the group, talk about what that could mean. But we, we want to know that our reading and our meditation and our studying of the Bible is making a difference in our life. Like I said on, on Sunday, uh, the quote from Richard Foster was that the whole purpose of spiritual disciplines is about the transformation of the person. The whole purpose of studying the scriptures and then meditating on, on the words is never just about having a head knowledge or to use the term of universities or, or colleges to have that degree on paper. That makes no difference. A student with a degree still has to go out and practice what they've learned in whatever field they've studied in. And so for us who study the word and then 
spend time mulling over it and meditating on it, it still needs to translate into a change in our hearts. Otherwise, all that we've done is crammed information into our minds. So that's very important for us. Verse 5, carry on, I read from the New Living, those who, let those who are wise listen to these Proverbs and become even wiser. And let those who understand receive guidance by exploring the depth of meaning in these Proverbs, parables, wise sayings, and riddles. Now, it's, it's that that I also want to come back to. I like the word explore. So it's actually used explore in both the New Living and the NIV. And, and this brings us back to my, my point of today. It's that if we want to be wise, Proverbs is saying to us, listen to the Proverbs and then you'll become even wiser. And it also says, let those with understanding. So if, if you comprehend it, if you are willing to be humble and to understand the ways of God, then we will be willing to receive the guidance that comes from the Proverbs, but also from the Scriptures. And how we receive that guidance, verse 6, is by exploring the meaning in these Proverbs, parables, the words of the wise, and their riddles. Now, those phrases or, or, or terms are used in conjunction with the Proverbs, but I'm going to again expand it if we talk about the entire scripture. So what we are called to do as Christ followers is, is to explore the meaning in the Proverbs, the parables that we don't just find in the book of Proverbs, but the parables we find in the New Testament, and we did our Bible study series on parables last year, I think it was. We also explore the meaning of what is written down in the, the poetry of the Psalms, also in the Chronicles, the books of the prophets, the books of uh, the Torah, the law, the books of the vision that John had in Revelation, the, the letters that come to us through the writers in the early church, as well as the gospel accounts. And, and that is what we are committing ourselves to, ourselves to, exploring the meaning of what is written in these words. And, and this is a, a lifetime. It's a lifetime commitment, and it's something that um, I really pray that we would commit ourselves to. And then in verse 7, it says, Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Now, I think you are aware of this, but that the word fear here is talking about reverence or respect. So reverence of the Lord or um, respect of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge. The New Living says that is the beginning of knowledge. Only fools despise wisdom and discipline. And so what the writer of Proverbs is saying to us is that when we come to God with this holy reverence, this, um, this fear, he uses the, the phrase, when we come to God with that approach, then that is the beginning of our quest for knowledge and wisdom and understanding the things of God. The opposite, obviously, then, is that a fool, 
somebody who, and this is not a fool as in hasn't got the intellectual capacity. No, this is a fool who in his heart has actually says, I don't need that. I know a better way. And, and if I come back to my story in the beginning, I would have been a fool to have said to those who invited me to come and teach church history, it's all right, I don't need your help, I've got this all covered, I know everything there is to know. Because that would have been arrogant um, and foolish. And the more I started to study and the more I found books and read and, and watched all kinds of other programs, the more I realized how little that I knew. But I was still able to put that all together and, and able to help the students in the quest for their knowledge and part of their own study and growth. And so I think you, you can understand the connection here is that growing deeper in our faith requires the discipline of study and, and meditation. Because friends, it's about allowing the word of God to dwell within us. Now, Colossians 3, this is the passage from the New Testament, Colossians 3, verse 16 and 17, Paul says an interesting thing to the church. He says this, Let the message of Christ, in all of its richness, fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom that he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. And it's that, um, verse 16, let the message about Christ in all of its richness fill your lives. And, and that is, I think, again, a reminder of the purpose of study. Because if you or I only gather information about the ways of God from listening to the preacher or the pastor or the minister on a Sunday, that is a very limited start. It's a start, yes, but it's a very limited start. There is so much more that we can do ourselves to allow the Word of God to fill our hearts and lives, and then also to join up with a group of people to talk about these things. Remember Proverbs 1 verse 6, explore the meaning. Um, and we haven't got time to do it in today's Bible study, but I think we, we are familiar enough with the fact that the Bible sometimes presents us with a, a, a dilemma because you may read one passage and think it means this, I may read it and think it means that, and so we wrestle with the text. And that is part of what it means to be in a Christian community. However, the message, the message of the gospel doesn't change. And so when we allow that to fill our hearts and our lives, so then we believe that will overflow into how we live this spiritual journey. In the Psalms, and again, I'm not going to recap this, but we did our Bible study last year on the whole of Psalm 119. But a reminder to us, that that phrase, if you read now in the King James Version, um, the, the translators use the phrase, thy word. We would now, I guess, say your word. But David, um, in that psalm, speaks about how he allowed the word of God to fill him. And it would have been through study, through mem like, uh, um, memorization, through meditation, through all those practices of allowing the Word of God to, to move from the pages into the heart. Um, Psalm 119 verse 11, Thy word I have hid in mine heart 
that I might not sin against thee. Just that in itself shows us that what he was saying is, I've taken the word, I've placed it inside me, I've digested it, I've consumed it, so that when the time comes and the temptation comes, I would not sin against you, O God. Verse 16, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. Now, how do we not forget something? Well, by, by remembering it, um, by reflecting on it over and over and over again. Psalm verse 17, deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. Verse 42, uh, for I trust in thy word. Verse 50, this is my comfort and my affliction for thy word hath quickened me. And then verse 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That was the key text for that whole Bible study on Psalm 119. But that is again a reminder that by studying the word and meditating on it, it becomes a lamp to our feet and a light unto our path. And so that is just um, what the psalmist says. We looked at what Paul said in Colossians. Of course, and here comes the, the balance of, of, um, of what I'm really challenging us on today. Of course, your salvation and my salvation is not dependent on how much we know, how many Bible verses we can quote, what the historical context of each book of the Bible, that your salvation and mine is not dependent on that. However, it does help us to see more and more about this God that we worship and all that he's done and trying to do to, to bring us into a relationship with himself. Um, I'll just read Galatians 3, just to put that in context. Galatians 3 verse 10 says, But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under his curse. For the scriptures say, Cursed is everybody who does not observe and obey all the commands that are written in God's book of the law. So it is clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So, in the words of Paul, we, we don't know the law and memorize the law so we can find our salvation because if we break even one part of the law, we are guilty of sin and therefore guilty of death, in the words of Paul. But... What it does show us is it makes us aware of our sin, makes us aware of our need for God. And so it then becomes that guide, that, um, that light that shows us our need of salvation. Coming back to the words that Jesus spoke to the Pharisees and the religious leaders when in, I think it's in John chapter 5, yes, John 5 verse 39 he challenged them and he said to them, you know, guys, you study the scriptures diligently. So he was in a way commending them. He says, look, you, you know it well. But he says, it's because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. And, and remember, Jesus is speaking here in John 5 about what we would know as the Old Testament. So that's all about the law. Um, also about the prophets and the poets and all that kind of information. That was what they had as their scriptures. But those people, those very deeply religious, sincere, disciplined, God-fearing people, 
they were reading the scriptures over and over and over again because it spoke of the coming of the Messiah, it spoke about the hope in the Messiah. And so Jesus says to them, guys, you know the, the scriptures backwards, and yet here I stand in front of you and you can't recognize me. And that, I think, is the big warning for us, is do we recognize Christ? Do we recognize God? Do we recognize the gospel? Do we recognize the light of Jesus in the scriptures that we are reading? Because these should all point us to God, all point us to the eternal life that we have been promised through him. And so I'm going to stop there for today. I think you have heard enough of my voice. Um, but I invite you to continue the wrestling. I just have, I'm sorry, I've seen it on my notes here. I just have one thing to add, which is more of a challenge. And just in doing some of the reading up for this week, I came across a stat that says, um, it was done actually late 2022, that says on average, people in the world today spend about plus minus seven hours in the day, I think it's six hours and 50 something minutes a day, on some kind of screen, having time on a screen. A lot of that I think now is, now is on smartphones, but it could be computers, it could be TV still, all of that. And, and if, you, if you think about that, just in terms of a 24 hour day, those people that are sleeping seven hours or maybe eight hours, add that on to the seven hours, that's give or take 15 hours, 14, 15 hours, plus the time that people spend at work or doing other things. We then say, well, how much time is actually left for reading the Bible, studying, doing the things for God? And, and I was challenged by this, and not to try and make us feel guilty about it, but it's just to be aware of, of the challenge carving out that time is difficult and so i was left pondering with with the question so how much time do i spend on screens now some of our smartphones even tell us that weekly they will give you this message that says dom you have spent so much time on your phone this week it's up from last week or it's down from last week and i like that because it's kind of like a every week reminder but maybe we should ask the question well how can we change this so, so if, for example, we are on that scale of the average, spending many hours a day on our screen time, could we reduce that? Um, and let's just be practical and say, could I reduce that by 15 minutes per day? And that 15 minutes I could then devote to, to perhaps reading something around the Bible. Now, I think that's very doable for us, but again, we must have the desire for that. The other question that to ask is, how could we perhaps use the screen time to help us study the Bible? So this may be appealing for some people is not to do away with the screen time, but rather to say, okay, well, how can I use my phone or my tablet or my computer to help me study? And there's plenty of tools online for this. So, you know, for those of you who don't like reading, you could possibly watch something and there's a video or listen to something. But the idea is that we, we don't really have an excuse because we could use our smartphones or technology to help us to study the Word of God. Um, I know that statistically also, us men so are supposed to read less than the ladies. 
So men, maybe you also say, well, I don't read, so I can't study the Bible, but maybe we should challenge ourselves and say, but if we don't like reading, maybe we can listen. Um, and some of you ladies are immediately thinking, well, the men don't like listening either. Well, maybe we can watch something. But the idea is the more we know of the Word of God, the more, as the Proverbs um, says to us, so we become wise, so we become changed. And so that is something that I believe is pleasing to God. Friends, thank you for your time. I've waffled on far too long today. Bless you and continue in your reading the scriptures that God have give, has given to us. Amen.